The reading for this morning comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 2, 15 through 21. And we hear Paul saying, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is justified, not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law, because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if, in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I have once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. So ends the word and begins the journey in grace. Amen. The last few weeks, we've uh, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Paul's letter to the Galatians, which we pick up again here today, we, and we, uh, we establish that Paul is not happy about what's going on in this fledgling church that he left to go about his missionary business, and someone else swooped in, which we call the missionaries from Jerusalem, swooped in and started undoing all of the good work that Paul had done. And uh, long story short, they were suggesting that to really be justified in Christ, to really have your uh, relationship right with God, you not only had to uh, live a life in the way in following Jesus Christ, but in addition to that, you had to adhere to the Jewish traditions uh, from which Christianity grew out of, right? Jesus was a, a Jew, a very good practicing Jew, and, and all of the original disciples and everyone who was first a Christian came out of Judaism. And so these Gentiles were told from the folks from Jerusalem that they also must more or less become Jewish in order to become Christian. Well, Paul gets very, very adamant that this is not the case and he goes about making his case in the book of Galatians he he lays out an argument of course last week we talked about the fact that he he began that by by pointing out that his authority comes from God so you better listen um, but now he goes about making his very well-reasoned argument as to why this this tack undermines uh, all that Christianity is built upon. And so we begin here in chapter 2 where Paul begins, he's talking about confronting the leaders of the early church, particularly 
uh, Peter and he confronts Peter in his hypocrisy. He, he didn't just go there and get in an argument with anybody. He, got, he went straight to the top. Peter, who was considered the head of the church. Uh, and he says to Peter, basically, he says, weren't you the one who dined at Cornelius' house? And if you were to read in Acts, you would see that Cornelius was a, a Gentile in the Italian army, in the Roman army. And, and in Acts, Peter was invited to his house for dinner and Peter was in a quandary about what to do and received a vision in the middle of that because he didn't want to, because he couldn't eat Gentile food, right? So he couldn't have dinner with him. So he was a little concerned about that. In the middle of the night, he had a vision of, uh, basically a picnic blanket with all of the, what used to be forbidden foods on it. And God says, do not call unclean that which I have made clean. Go ahead and eat it, Peter, is basically what God was saying. Go ahead and for the, for the sake of fellowship, let's, uh, let's let go of these things that separate us, particularly these food laws. And so Peter went and ate at Cornelius' house. And so Paul is confronting him on this. Didn't you go eat at Cornelius' house? Did not God reveal to you that what was once not permitted to eat under the law is now permitted by God's grace? And then Peter, Paul goes on, but then you and your, you get with your buddies in Jerusalem. I hope you know I'm paraphrasing, right? You get with your buddies in Jerusalem and you say that circumcision is the law. Which is it, Peter? Your ambiguity on the subject is leading people astray. In one setting, you dine with the Gentiles and you say that all of that's okay, but then when you get with your other friends, all of a sudden you're all for the law and insist that people follow it. And Paul is asking Peter to be clear about what he is saying. And this conversation between Paul and Peter is significant because it addresses the issue that's taking place in Galatia. Must one become a Jew to become a Christian? To which Paul responds with an emphatic no. And what he seems to be telling Peter is that Peter in his past actions has said no to that as well. And ultimately, i got to say, Peter agreed with Paul in this issue. So Paul goes on from this point after bragging about confronting the leaders in Jerusalem, goes on from this point to talk about kind of the crux of what Paul's letter is about. And it's this big churchy word, justification. And Paul goes on to make a case for justification through faith and not justification through the works of the law. It's an interesting word, justification. Uh, it can also, and often is, in fact maybe some of your Bibles have it this way, but the word, the same word can be translated either justification or righteousness. So sometimes it's translated righteousness, sometimes it's translated justification. Uh, and the Greek, the Greek word for this, for justify, is dikaiu. Uh, and uh, the noun version of this, which we're reading today, justification, is dikaiusain. <laughs> wait a minute, dikaiusain. It's and it's often translated as righteousness, and it basically means righteousness, justification. It basically means to be in right relationship with God. 
In fact, this is why when we when we just, when you're in Word and you hit that little box that has the lines up against the right uh, the left side of the page, you're justifying your document. That is to say, you're lining it up so that it's in right relationship with the rest of the page, and it's kind of that same idea. Uh, Paul's emphatic argument about justification goes like this. We know that one is not justified through the law, but through Christ. And one of the ways that we know that is that it was under the law that Jesus was condemned to death. And he will go on, we'll talk about that in a few weeks, because he goes on to explain later what he means by that. He makes his case to the Galatians how Jesus was condemned by the law. But Paul goes on to argue that if we, trying to make ourselves right through not only faith, but the insistence on the works of the law as well, then the Jesus part is completely pointless. You don't need Jesus if the law can make you right with God. The only reason we needed Jesus was to come and show us that righteousness was not something you could obtain through your works of the law, but only through faith. This is is the the whole of, of Paul's argument. And he says this, Jesus died. If, if the law is right, then Jesus' death was for nothing. Jesus died for nothing because we're right back where we were, shackled to the law again. And Paul begs the people of Galatia, don't do that. Don't tie yourselves up to that again because it didn't work the first time. It's not going to work now. It is not the thing that will bring you into right relationship with God. What will bring you into right relationship with God is faith. Now, here's where it's going to get a little tricky as I'm talking about this. Because one of the questions about this in my mind and in the mind of many others is whose faith is it that justifies you before God? Is it God's faith? and faithfulness or is it our faith and faithfulness and it's a good theological question that is not necessarily very clear in the text because the here again I'm gonna give you some more Greek here the uh, pistis Christu is the word that means faith in Christ or it can be translated depending on the context faith of Christ this little word in or of makes a huge theological difference. <laughs> this is where being a translator is very difficult because you have to make a choice based on the context of, okay, do I make this word in its, in its objective form in Christ or do I put it in its subjective form of Christ? But it can go either way. The choice is really uh, up to the translator. We could read verse 16 in the Bible. We know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through the faith of Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. 
And this is one of those cases where I disagree with the translators on their choice. Almost every Bible out there has it translated faith in Christ. And quite frankly, I wish they'd make a little note at the bottom. This is where me and... Uh, if you've if ever been in my Bible study, you know that I disagree with the translators on a lot of things sometimes. But uh, it, there's little notes at the bottom sometimes. I wish they would put one here. Because in this, in this verse, if it reads faith in Christ, the theological difference is that Paul is saying that we are not justified by works except one. Faith in Christ. That's the work you must have in order to be justified. I don't think Paul's really making that case. It puts the burden on us to acquire our justification or our righteousness by our own action. That is to say, our own faith. But really, I think Paul is trying to say to us that it is not our faith that makes us righteous. There is not anything we do or are required to do to make us justified before God. In other words, it's not what we do, but what God has done through Jesus Christ. What Paul is getting at is that there is nothing on our part to obtain God's grace. There is no amount of work that will bring God's grace to us. Our, Our humanness always gets in the way. It's only by God's grace that it is imparted on us already. Here's what I think God is trying to tell us through Christ. That righteousness, that being right with God, is taken care of in Christ. And if there is a problem, it is on our end. And and the reason I'm kind of leaning on this is because it, it lifts up all that God has done through Christ and makes that action on God's part the thing that makes us right before God. And why I think that is very, very good for us is because the burden of our own righteousness can be a very, very heavy one trying to obtain our own righteousness. And we get, we get bogged down in that. Even now, even in the light of Jesus, we tend to get bogged down with this in our own life. What do I have to do to make sure that God thinks I'm okay? What do I have to do to please God so that I don't go to hell or so that I don't get punished? And we find ourselves responding to God in fear instead of love. And I guess for me, it's, it's kind of a question of motive. And Paul here in his letter to the Galatians is begging them not to take up that burden of trying to achieve righteousness through the works of the law again, but to accept the righteousness already afforded us through Christ and to live into that. And so, you know, it's a good question. What does this mean for us on a practical, everyday Christian level here, Pastor Curtis? This is a great lesson in Greek and all of that, but what does it mean for my own faith and how I live out that faith? And I think here again, like I just said, I think ultimately it speaks to motive 
for you and I. If we fall into a mode of doing righteous works because we think we have to do it in order to please God and secure our own justification, then we are like those who wish to impose circumcision onto Gentile Christians in the first century. If we think that we have to do something to earn our salvation, to earn our rightness before God, Conversely, if we think that there is something we do that somehow makes us repugnant to the Creator of the universe who has lavished so much love on us, then that is bad theology. Our God is much bigger than all of your sin. And even my sin is not so large that God cannot love us through it. That's the point. That's where I think this is bad theology. Is that if we think that there is something we can do to earn God's love, then conversely, we also think there is something we can do to shun God's love. And you're just not that good at sinning. (laughs) There is nothing you can do that is going to take away that love that God worked so hard to bring to you through Jesus Christ. That's how so, so powerful and massive is God's love that God needed to show it to us through a person, Jesus Christ, who lives in us today. And that's what, it, that's what it's about. If we take away from our relationship with God, the need to somehow justify ourselves before the Creator. What are we left with? Why are we coming to church? I know a lot of you think you're coming to church because A, I nag you about it. Or B, it feels like an obligation. It feels like I need to do this in order to be right with God. Or I need to do this to show God, my gratitude, and all of that. You know, quite frankly, no, you don't. (laughs) You don't need to be here, as many of our folks have figured out, right? (laughs) You don't have to be here. I pray that the reason you're here is because you crave to love God and be loved by God and feel that together with other lovers of God. That's why I'm here. I'm here because I feel God's presence more when I'm with you than anywhere else in my life. And I long to stir that up. Not because I'm scared of going to hell or I want to make sure I go to heaven. It comes back to motive. What we are left with, if God takes care of justification through Christ, if God says you are already righteous, Don't worry about it. You're already right with me. And there's nothing you can do that is going to make you unright with me. Then what are we left with except love? What are we left with except a desire to be with God and to be all that God created us to be for no other reason than it is good. Amen?
because it is good. We are left with love. And this is, this is Paul's ultimate point. Don't let the works get in the way of the love that has already made you right with God. And you're left with nothing more than this relationship that is always right and good. You know, and, and Paul begs them. If, you know, and he says this, if you're Jewish and it, work, and it helps and it's part of your tradition, go ahead and do those things. But don't ever let it get in the way of that relationship. And certainly, there's no reason to impose it on someone whose tradition that's not. And we do a lot of things. We do works. But it's all motivated. Not by our desire to please God or our fear of God. But in order to stir up the love and respond to the love and spread the love and share the love and experience a deeper love. Don't ever let what we do, the church, good works, any of it, be motivated by something other than God's love and your love for God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, You call us to a righteousness. That is to say, You are calling out to us and saying we are justified and You love us so much that You never want anything to come between us. Between us and You. Help us to embrace this radical grace. This radical love that You have for us. That we might never doubt it. And that our motives might be born out of love and nothing else. We ask this in the powerful name of Christ. Amen.